has affected my life, now it's going on five years now, that when I first came and heard uh, Brent, Pastor Brent, uh, he, I was actually offended and uh, of this love thing. Actually, I think I was offended for the first couple of months I came. But, um, but God, how many of you know when you go through something, especially where there's some hurt and pain or whatever it might be involved with, even if you don't think it is, God has a way of fashioning and taking things and, and going deep in your heart where only the Holy Spirit can go into those inner depths and really revealing some stuff and ministering the light and ministering his power and ministering his love to you. Doesn't mean it's easy all the time, but oh my goodness, how more light do we feel when Papa can go there? And this man has been used as a vehicle to affect my life. And so it's with great privilege and great honor that I call my spiritual father, Pastor Brent Locker, up to minister the word. You ready for some more good stuff to happen? I am. I'm, I'm, uh, I have expectancy in my heart tonight for uh, what God's already done, but what's still coming. Um, <laughs> for starters, I wanted to just say, yeah, this has been a last day or two has been kind of an interesting, you know, couple of days. Julia calling yesterday and explaining the the uh, traumatic thing that happened to my brother Dirk with his fingers. And, uh, of course, you know, praying into that, getting updates and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and uh, almost at the same time, Aaron, my uh, senior, uh, senior in high school son, was playing his last home volleyball game, uh, senior night, you know, really special night. Right in the middle of the, of the game, he, he majorly turns his ankle over and, um, you know, screaming in pain and he's, he's done, um, for, well, for the night we're praying miracle over him and we're seeing actually some amazing, amazing recovery. But, um, so anyway, all this stuff going on, the reason why I just bring that up is because, um, we, we have choices, um, all the time as to how we're going to respond as things are happening around us circumstances that it like in these two cases I, I had enough I had no control over either one of those um and of course it, like in both cases of course I'm I'm beginning to pray beginning to intercede um I go right over to Aaron I can lay my hands on him because I was there at the game and um but what do you do after that point you know what when your mind starts working it over and um I got to tell you I'm that this last day or two, last day, I've been in a, a, a pretty darn good place of, of uh, looking to Papa and saying, okay, God, your, your promises haven't changed. Um, you, you said all things are going to work for our good. We just sang that tonight. All things work together for my good. It's more than just a good song. It actually is truth. But the thing is, is when you hang on to truth, especially when you need it, it changes how you look at things. 
And um, so I'm like, okay, Lord, um, you actually have a covenant with us. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing how you're going to flip this thing around. How um, for my brother Dirk, how as as Joel just prayed, he's not just going to get what he lost back, but then some. And um, so we're in this adventure with Papa. And that really is the way we have to see things. Otherwise, if we're waiting for all circumstances to line up perfectly just the way you want them, and that's when you feel good, well... You're, first of all, you're missing out on the adventure. But secondly, you're not going to be feeling good all that often. I'm just being real. Um, you know, we, we would love it if it weren't one thing and then another. But God says, no, it's in the one thing and another. When I'm with you, when I show myself strong, when I prove how I flip things around for you, when I'm true to my covenants, that you're going to see over and over and over and over again how good I am. That's, that's the Christian life to the point where we have this childlike faith and trust. My daddy's going to do it. My papa's amazing. What's next, daddy? What are you going to do next? Because I don't know how you do it, but man, over and over and over again, you pull it off. A lot of, most of the time in ways we wouldn't have come up with if we tried. <laughs> so I just want to share that with you. I, I'm... I told you last week, if you were here, I, probably most of you were, just because we had, a, like Joel said, a pretty full house. And so met, and most of you were probably here. But it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Um, and, and not just because uh, the Spirit of God was, was on Mario in pretty, pretty dramatic fashion in the words that he gave, you know, to Russ and Susan right here and many others of you that had me bawling. You know, I was just crying. I'm like, oh, he couldn't have known that. He couldn't have known that. And people are getting healed. It was, it was awesome. But that isn't even the reason why I'm, my spirit is amped. I'm like, that was great. But we've had a lot of great nights. We were, I mean, God is God. And if we expect him to show up, and um, he does, uh, my, my, my spirit, uh, I'm sorry, before I go on to tell you what I'm really amped about, let me just say this. Mario um, later just, he talked about, um, you know, the different fires that are converging. But one of the things he said here was, he said when he started here, then, then the next day he went up to Bethel. Two days later he went to the awakening. And he said that... Um, that in every single place, it was so easy for him to minister. He said mainly because of the intercession that was going up. And uh, so that's just a little plug, too, for some of you that might want to join us with intercession. Because we, uh, we just had another great time tonight. We're usually back in that little room um, at about 5.15. So about 45 minutes prior to worship. And you can come. And we're just, we're just agreeing with heaven to earth. So, But here's why my spirit was really excited uh, I shared a little bit about it last week, but I have more a week more insight this week. Um, a week's more insight, uh, not week. Yeah, you got it. Anyway, not week insight, um, but but um, I, my spirit is amped because I know my spirit knows that it knows that it knows that we entered into an entirely different season last week, last weekend. It knows, I'm telling you things that my brain hasn't necessarily caught up with. I won't even necessarily be able to articulate it all that well, but my spirit knows it. Uh, so much so that beforehand, I, I shared this last week, but beforehand, when I, uh, before I came here, 
I, I was weeping all day long and I couldn't stop. And it didn't matter. I was worshiping a lot. It didn't matter what song I listened to. It could be a fast song. It could be a slow. It didn't matter. Everything just caused me to start bawling. You know, Lord, you're so good. And, um, and so crying, 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 but because I knew it was a significant moment in kingdom history. And then when Mario came and began to put words around it, um, you know, about this area ignition, which I, I sent out that email just to, just, just to remind you, it's also going to be posted on our, on our website, but it was just some of his words last week about why we're living in such a significant time because the fires are, are coming together. And he talked about the area ignition when fires are literally feeding off of each other that, that come together like in a forest fire and they, it gets so hot that it actually changes, it, it burns some things in plants that wouldn't normally burn, creates a little cloud and literally the air catches on fire. Uh, and he was explaining how um, what's happening right now is the various fires that are burning in the spirit um, that we we don't all have the same elements. We need each other. God in his goodness and his wisdom has made sure we don't all have the same stuff so that we need each other. But it's actually happening. And let me get back to what my spirit knows that it knows that it knows. Is that we've entered into a season where God's going to make happen what we could not make happen as far as the unity of the body of Christ. That's what my spirit knows. I have been... For two plus decades, I have been stationed here in this in this region. God has promised revival. I know it's coming massively, um, and and unity has been a huge call on my life. A huge call on my life, possibly the possibly the number one call on my life, even more than the Father's love. If you can imagine that, it's just you know when I talk, I talk about the Father's love all the time. Um, but Papa wants his kids together. And, and um, so I have been, I have seen it in the spirit for decades. And I have been a part of gathering pastors and gathering churches and, and seeing all kinds of amazing uh, signs of the kingdom, of the unity, uh, you know, coming together. But this feels different than all that. This is God saying what you couldn't do I'm about to do. It's time. I'm going to make you come together. And we're seeing it happen. So on Tuesday, uh, I went over to, um, I went over to watch Mario in uh, Manteca at the awakening. And afterwards, uh, Mario asked me, he went to the back, um, you know, a back room and asked me to, to come back there. And Isaiah came and we spent quite a long time together uh, went out later and had a meal together. But the point is, is, is it was that iron sharpening iron. It was the, it was the, um, all of us trying to do our best to articulate what we can articulate, what's happening in the spirit and yet getting each other all fired up because of what's happening. Um, Holy spirit, help me. Really, I, I, I need help because, because this is something I, I, I've been crying out for for, you know, most of my adult life, all my pastoral life, and it's, and it's happening. Now, when we say it's happening, this is, this is the interesting thing about how God operates. When, when my spirit knows that it knows that it knows, 
that we've entered into a season where God says, I'm going to make my churches come together, my one church come together. Um, and that we've entered into that season. You might say, well, how come everything hasn't shifted then? How come we aren't all in, you know, how come we aren't all over at the Oakland Coliseum tonight? Um, when he says that he started it, we're in it, it's begun. Now we start watching what he does. We still take part. I'm still going to do my part. I'm still going to reach out to pastors and leaders and draw them together. But something's changed. Something shifted. And, and it was a, it's a decision on the parts of certain people that we're going to start honoring each other and celebrating each other because God's making it happen. When we had... Isaiah here a couple of years ago, I mean, a couple of months ago, sorry, Isaiah Saldivar came here a couple of months ago. Uh, very different stream, right? When I say stream, what I mean is, um, you know, there's just, uh, stream is like all the churches or organizations that kind of see Christianity this way, and another stream, they kind of see it this way, and then there's one that believes like this. Those are all streams, okay? So I'm not just talking about one church, I'm talking about a stream of belief or a way of looking at the kingdom, that are different. At least they seem different on our end. I'm convinced more and more and more that it's really, you know, God gone, well, there's this diamond and some see it this way and some see it this way and some see it that way. But Isaiah came very, very different stream. I, I love Isaiah. I love his heart. We had coffee before I ever invited him here. Um, because to me, the kingdom's all about relationship and, and uh, Suzanne and I were able to spend some time with he and his wife before they spoke that night and afterwards. Soft-hearted people. And when he spoke, um, and the same thing when Mario spoke, another you know, slightly different stream. But, but specifically with Isaiah, I know there were certain people in here that some people loved it and charged him up. Some people like, were confused and like, what is this? Um, and you know what? God very clearly... Um, did not and does not want me to um, get up and explain it um, to make sure, you know, any of your frayed nerves are calmed down that, you know, um, first of some people were kind of worried like Brent, are we, did we just shift from this kind of a church to this one? And I say, you know, I'm, you've known me for a long time. After 50 years, I wrote a book called daddy, you love me. So if you want to know who I am and what we're going to teach here, read my book. Because it's not going to change. You know, it's who I am. And when I listened to Isaiah, there were so many things he said. I was like going, that was amazing. That rock. That was awesome. But it's not my, I didn't, I didn't have any need from the Lord to have to, to, to have to get up and explain and go, well, this is, you know, this I'm not so sure about in this. We have to get past that because if we're going to go to the places where the Lord's taking us, we have to go as one. We have to go as one. We are never, if we're waiting to go as one until we all line up and perfectly agree on every theological issue, we will never go there. Ever. Are you hearing me? And this is what the Lord showed me. This is wild. I, I know that there are real differences in the, in the Bible, you know, between this book and that book and stuff. But this is what the Lord showed me. He said, he said um, Brent, not only am I not um, nervous about different streams that, that exist on the earth today. But I actually put different streams in the Bible in the same cover 
of the Bible. I put them in the same volume, and I didn't bother to explain why there are differences between this person and this one. Paul looks at at the at Jesus in, in, in the Christian life very differently than Peter. Did you ever notice that? Very differently. First of all, they're reaching two totally different crowds. Did you know that? Isaiah Saldivar, I, when I went to his meeting, I had not been there yet. I knew kind of what to expect, but I didn't, since I hadn't been there, I really didn't know until I, I knew it was going to be a lot of young people. I knew I was going to see a lot of tattoos and piercings, and I was not disappointed. That's exactly what I saw. It was awesome. And do you know he is saving so many people are coming out of gangs and coming out of drugs. And so the, the stuff that to some of us seemed really odd, like, you know, why is he saying these things? Oh, let me tell you, for certain groups of people in certain crowds, it is, they are pouring into the kingdom. Um, and so God has his reasons for who's doing what and where they are and why they're doing it. And we don't have to know all the whys. We don't have to have all the answers to love each other and to choose to celebrate each other and to honor each other. I'll tell you this too. Sometimes when you hear uh, people who are different than you, sometimes it actually changes you, but other times it actually solidifies the things that you hold very dearly to. And both are okay. Both are good things. Um, where are we going, Lord? <laughs> I'm having a good time, but uh, uh, let's see. I wanted to read. I want to read you some scripture. All right, because I want to show you kind of where this is coming from, where God's heart is on this. Um, I told you, Paul, very different from Peter. And how they look at things. Very different from John. Extremely different than John. John's a love guy. Everything's about love. Know anyone like that? Yeah, me too. All right. So, <laughs> John's a love guy. Then you got Hebrews. You know, they're not even sure who wrote that. But that's different also. You got four Gospels that were told very differently. And some of the stories don't exactly match. Did you notice that? And God didn't worry about cleaning it up. And going, oh, well, what he really meant was, you know. Anyway, I'm just saying. Um, so, Paul, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because, um, remember that, I know you know this, but let me just remind you. Paul was Saul. Saul was a pretty mean dude. Killed a lot of Christians. So that when he was saved, rode to Damascus, he gets saved. Uh, the apostles didn't trust him. They really didn't. It's right there in the scriptures. I mean, moder more modern day, it would be like, you know, Osama bin Laden, Hitler, someone like that getting saved. And now he's supposed to be part of the leadership team. I'm just saying, I don't know if you ever thought about it before, but it's understandable why they're saying, I, we, no, no. Great, glad you were saved, but no. Um, and so Paul, you know, come, does come into the fold. They learn over years. They are able to trust him more and more. 
And and then God chooses to make him highlight him in the scriptures. You know, have Paul be the one that writes most of the letters to the churches. I mean, that in itself is wild. And Paul's the one that, that addresses this issue that I'm getting at today head on. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says, And so, brothers, he's talking to the, the uh, men and women of the church of Corinth. He says, I was not able to talk to you as spiritual people. Um, <laughs> he's kind of making a really strong point here. Because they are spiritual people. They have Christ. He's like, but I couldn't talk to you like that. I wanted to, but I couldn't. He goes on. I had to talk to you as people still living by your natural inclinations. So you're not living by, you're not walking in the spirit. You're, you're still living off of your own natural inclinations. Still infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not able to take it. And even now you are still not able to, for you are still living by your natural inclinations. As long as there are jealousy and rivalry among you, that surely means that you are still living by your natural inclinations and by merely human principles. So if there's, everyone say jealousy and rivalry. rivalry. Alright. So as long as there's jealousy going on, uh, rivalry, who's, who's better, who's got what, who's God using more, um, then he says, you're not, you're not operating in the spirit right now because he says, there's one that says I belong to Paul and another that says I belong to Apollos. Are you not being only too human? <laughs> Which is kind of a wild statement. I thought we were human. He's like, no, you were born from above. You're now a spirit being. But he says, every time you're saying, nope, I'm following this person, I'm following this person. He said, you missed it. You missed it. Later on, he's, he throws Peter in there, right? Later on in the chapter, he, he says Cephas, which is Peter's uh, other name, his, Peter's name. Uh, but he throws Peter in there. And so what he's saying is, is, is stop, stop um, elevating a person. And saying, this is the one I follow. Anyone else, you know, isn't for me. And he's saying, no, you missed the point. Because this one, he, um, he plants. Over here, this one, he or she waters. But you know what? There's only one person that makes it all grow. And that's the one that gets the glory. And in, in my Bible, um, there's, different ver- there's different translations of this. Um, but in mine, it says in um, verse 8, it's all one who does the planting, who does the watering. And each will have their, their, their pay, you know, their uh, reward from the Lord. It's, in other words, I, I really like the way that, that my, mine is the New Jerusalem Bible. I really love the way they did this. It's different in other translations. But what they're saying is they use such strong language. It's not even different, really. If you get the, the real picture, it's not even different people. It's the one did the watering and the planting and the whatever the one, I thought you just said Paul and Apollos. Yeah, but that's not how the Lord sees it. Didn't, what did we sing today? Do you remember this? I wrote it down. Catch me up in your story. All my life for your glory. Did we not sing that over and over and over again? Catch me up for your glory. All my life for your story. Catch me up in your story. 
all my life for your glory. There's one story being told. There's one story being told. And if we can get this, if we can really get this, we're going to get there so much faster. We're going to have so much more joy in the journey. The stuff that, that we get tripped up over, uh, the jealousies, the uh, whatever. This person's doing it right. This is not. We all think we have to be everyone's judge. When, when the Lord clearly told us we can't. We can't. He says, don't, don't judge. Don't you know you're guilty of the very same things? That's actually not an option we have. Judging, can we help each other along? Absolutely. You know, you might not want to be destroying your life like that. There's a better way. That's not judgment. That's helping somebody. But judgment is, is thinking you know everybody's motives. You know all the things, all the hidden things that the Lord knows that you don't. You think you know it all. And, and you, we, I'm not, I'm not pointing at you. I'm saying that's the problem. That's what judgment does is it, we're trying to sometimes justify things in our own hearts and our own lives and feel better about ourselves by, by starting to knock others down. I've seen it over and over and over and over again in the body of Christ. And it honestly, it's, you know, it's, um, it's kind of sickening. And, and if, if it's so for me, I can only imagine our father as a, you know, our papa who says, Oh, kids, don't you get it? Don't you get this? You're all already one in Christ. If, if Joel is one with Jesus, and if I am one with Jesus, then the only possible conclusion is that he and I are already one. That's the only possible conclusion. We are, we are all already one. And, and I see, um, I see, I see people, um, you know, tearing each other down all the time uh, and not realizing that we're, all we're doing is just slowing the whole process down quite a bit. You know, we're um, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 when it says that, uh, when it says husbands, um, you know, don't, uh, you know, it says love your wives, don't, don't tear them down, don't you know you're one with them? Thank you. Don't you know you're one with them? And really, Paul was talking about Jesus in the church. He was just using husbands and wives as an example to talk about us and Jesus and us, the bride. But it's the reason why Jesus will never, ever, ever tear you down. Why would he never tear you down? Because you're one with him. If he tears you down, where's he going? He's going down with you. But see, he's coming back for a beautiful bride. The only way we're going to be beautiful is if he tells us how beautiful we are until we believe it. We're going up with him. We're not going down. And the same thing is true for us. Not only stream to stream and denomination to denomination, but pew to pew, chair to chair. It's like we, we can't tear each other down and think that, that we're helping God out or we're going to get there sooner. We've got to be building each other up. If somebody around you makes a mistake, they, they sin, they forget who they are, great, you be the one to remind them who they are again. You be the one to help them get back in the game instead of, you know, instead of tearing down. That's what the Lord is asking us to do. And here's a wild one. Because in, in the end of chapter 3 it says, um, 
Verse 21. So there is to be no boasting about human beings. He's kind of concluding the matter at the end of the chapter. Don't, don't boast about humans. Every, everything belongs to you. This is wild. He says, don't, don't say, I follow this one or I follow this one. Guess what? They all belong to you. All of them. Whether it's Paul, Apollo, Cephas, the world, life or death, the present or the future, all belong to you. You belong to Christ. Christ belongs to God. Everything belongs to you. I mean, if we really believed that, how would we ever tear someone else down or another ministry down? They belong to you. And their victory is your victory. You know who lives this out like crazy is my spiritual dad, Bill Johnson. First of all, I never hear him tear someone down, ever. I've never heard it, not once. But secondly, he celebrates with everybody. I've had many conversations with him through the years. And if I'm having lunch with him and telling him the cool things going on at Blazing Fire, he is like going, that's the most awesome thing ever. And he means it. He actually means it. It's so uplifting and if because we, we all belong to each other. I want to tell you just a couple stories. Um, when I was first, 23 years ago, I came to this valley and I was an associate pastor at a Presbyterian church. What? Yeah. I'll let that sink in for a minute. And while I'm drinking my water, picture me in a robe with a stole on. Really. And um, I was very Presbyterian, which means our way was right, other ways weren't. And, um, and so I went back to actually to get my um, doctorate. I got my master's of theology at um, Fuller Seminary in Pasadena. And I actually went back for my doctorate. Also at Fuller, but it was an extension course, so I was only there a few weeks a year and did a bunch of homework before and afterwards. Um, anyway, the point of that though is that I started taking some classes by um, Peter Wagner, um, and this it was so cool because in the in the doctorate classes there were only maybe twenty thirty people in the room, and you had we had Peter Wagner brought in Ed Silvoso and all kinds of amazing people that you know. And there's twenty of us and ask them whatever we want and have two weeks with them. Very cool. But in that class, um, that was the first time he was talking about um, about the kingdom and about how we how there has to be unity in order for God to to bless how God blesses unity in the body of Christ and how re- places of revival around the world it was because people were coming together and especially coming together to pray together across denominational lines everything else and God's spirit. Starting to pour down. That was when the transformations video came out. How many of you ever saw that? Gosh, half of you. That's awesome. I was thinking about showing it tonight, but it was too long. So um, I know 20 minutes, if you can believe that. One part. Anyway, not going to happen tonight, Michelle. Sorry. Another time. Anyway, but you can watch it on YouTube. uh, And it's totally worth it. It's about an hour and a half, something like that. Um, in several parts, but it's called Transformations with an S on the end. It'll come up. W- watch it. It'll blow you away if you've never seen it. But back in the day, that's when it first came out. 
And I remember sobbing. I mean, I was just watching that sobbing and say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. You know those moments. And he catches those moments. He says, I heard that. So I come back to Pleasanton, California, still a Presbyterian pastor. And I am starting to be confronted with what my heart now knows to be true, but how my life was not lived that way. And so I got some cleaning up to do. I have to clean up some of my messes because um, in uh, there's there's a couple of pastors that I had not spoken well of. Um, one of them was um, John Merritt, the pastor of uh, Crosswinds. He had he had this is when he first came to town. See, I'm, I've been around a long time. You guys know. Somehow, I don't know how it happened, but I've been here 23 years and suddenly I'm the old guy. I don't, I don't look old, but um, I've been around more than almost any other pastor in the valley now. And so I was here when John first came in and first started Crosswinds. And I remember, you know, talking bad about him because that was one of those seeker sensitive churches and they don't really, it's not really a real church anyway. And they're just watering down the gospel and, you know, uh, garbage. I, I don't know what exactly I said, but just garbage. And then there was a, uh, well, let me just start with that one. So then I just, the Lord said, um, you need to go to Pastor John and apologize to him. Now, Pastor John, he would not know that I said those things. I'm not the center of his world. You know what I mean? But it didn't matter because the Lord was doing something in my heart and saying, we're going to, in order to live this out and go where I'm telling you to go, you're going to have to make some amends and you're going to have to let me work on your heart quite a bit. So a very humbling experience, but I went to John, went into his office, explained, you know, he didn't know me. He really did not. I'm, I'm an associate pastor. I'm not even the senior pastor. So he did not know who I was, but I went in and explained um, what God had done to my heart and how I had uh, said some not, not good things about him and, and asked for his forgiveness. And he was deeply touched. He wasn't like, Hey, cool. No problem. He was like, wow, thank you. Um, because what I didn't know is that John had felt the pressure of not just one pastor, but many pastors who were kind of looking at that new person who was you know, this big church is growing, and what was happening? Jealousy, rivalries, the stuff that is our natural inclinations that have nothing to do with the kingdom. But he was feeling all that. And so my one apology he received as an apology from, from everyone who had misunderstood him. It was, it was very healing for him. And John and I became great friends. We really did. Um, there was another guy, and this one... Um, I'm trying to remember his name. He's been gone so long. I could make up one and you'd never know it. But anyway, um, I, I, can't, I can't remember. But his, he, um, he was a Presbyterian pastor in town. And this is going to tell you how ridiculous and silly this is. Because if we want to find differences in each other, not a problem. Not a problem at all. Um, yeah, I was going to go there for a while. Suzanne and I, we could find differences. Not a problem. Anyone in this room, if we spend long enough time, we can check, check. Oh, that no, that won't work right there. You think differently than me. Anyway, so, but this was because we were Presbyterian Church USA. Most of you, this will make no sense to you, but that's okay. They were Presbyterian, Presbyterian Church of America. 
Um, exactly, exactly. Mm. Nay. <laughs> and, so, and so we had some theological differences. And even though we were probably agreeing on most points. And I re- but th- it was a new church. We were the established, bigger Presbyterian church in Pleasanton. And here's this little peon, other, other wrong thing, you know, Presbyterian church in here. And so we said some things about him in our staff meeting that weren't good. And the Lord said, oh, yeah, you're going to go to that one and apologize, too. <laughs> okay, Lord, I'll do that. I went, his name's Bob. Now I got to remember his last name. I promise I didn't just make that up. Okay. What about Bob? That's good. Yeah. So the Lord says, what about Bob? And I said, you're right. I need to go apologize. So I went to his house because he didn't have an office. It was a small Presbyterian church. He didn't have an office yet. I literally found out where he lived, went to his house in Pleasanton, knocked on his door. I've never met him before. And, you know, he's kind of wondering what I'm selling at first. And, I introduced who I was, told him my story. Uh, he invited me into his living room, told him my story, um, told him about some of the things that I'd said to him about him, and I said, I am so sorry. There's no place for that in the kingdom. There's, there's absolutely no place. And Bob and I became good friends for, I would say, about five years until he moved out of the area. Um, became very good friends. Um, I talked to, to Roger Lewis. Roger is sometimes here. He's an older gentleman, an amazing man of God who is actually on our board of directors here at Blazing Fire. And he's kind of a pastor to the pastors. Uh, but just this last week, we talked to him, and I was sharing all this excitement of what I'm sharing with you about this new place we're in where God's going to make this happen. And Roger said, you know, I've watched this for many decades. Roger's been around many more decades than me in this region. And he said, there is something entirely different going on now. When you guys get together, I watch you all. You call each other all by first name. Hey, Dave. Hey, Bob. Hey, Brent. You give each other hugs. He said, that never happened. You all give each other hugs like you really like each other. And we do. And this last lunch we had with the pastors, it went deep. I want to tell you, it went deep. Like sharing sharing deep heart pains and issues and stuff with each other. And then we went into prayer. Oh my gosh. Holy Spirit just fell. He loved it. He loved it. So it, it, it is, it is totally happening. Um, the next thing I, I want to share with you. I, after I said, after I gave my apologies to these pastors, I'm now going back 20 years. I apologize to them. See, God was dealing with my heart. When God will show you things, um, he'll show you things that are true about his kingdom that are different than what you thought. When he does, sometimes there are messes to clean up. That's not, you know, you're not paying for your sins. Jesus already did that. But he does want you, he wants you to so get it in your heart to be transformed. And, and by what I chose to do, it, it went in deep. Because I saw the impact it was having on people when we decided to truly operate as one. So the next thing, you guys, this was about the time Promise Keepers was coming out. Any, any of you guys went to Promise Keepers? Even remember? Uh, so about a third of you maybe. So Promise Keepers, you know, started filling up um, stadiums around the, around the country. And they had a whole bunch of speakers from a whole lot of different denominations. And they played a big part in breaking down those walls. Um, and... 
One of one of the many ones that I went to, I think I think I actually was in Atlanta for this one. We flew to Atlanta to go to a Promise Keepers event. Um, but Max Licato was one of the speakers, and he um, shared something that later he put into a book of his. Um, but I want to read it to you because it it is such an amazing illustration to get this point home. But I remember him sharing this, and I was. You know, laugh, and it's kind of funny. This is one of those where, one of those stories that God uses sometimes where he'll use laughter, you know, but really what he's doing is he's inserting the scalpel, you know, while you're laughing because you know the places that are true of you, you know? Anyway, it's like that. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's from, um, I don't know, Max Lucado. I was trying to think of what, I thought I was going to write down what book it was from, but... Um, But the story is called Life Aboard the Fellowship. Um, Before I read that, let me read three quick verses. Romans 14.1 in the Message Bible says, Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. Hmm. Wait, is that hard to do or impossible? I'd say impossible to do all the time. Good thing for you, Christ lives in you. He didn't leave this to chance. So as long as you let, as long as you let the Spirit lead you, there we go, we'll keep it on. As long as you let the Spirit lead you, you, then you can do this. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. Romans 15.7 in the NIV, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. How are, we to, how are you to accept someone else? Oh, in the very same exact way that Christ accepted you. In order to bring praise to God. See, Papa says, I love it when you do that. Romans 14.4, you cannot judge another person's servant. The master decides if the servant is doing well or not. See, it's not our place. All right. It's called Life Aboard the Fellowship. God has enlisted us in his navy, and he's placed us on his ship. The boat has one purpose, to carry us safely to the other shore. This is no cruise ship. It's a battleship. We aren't called to a life of leisure. We are called to a life of service. Each of us has a different task. Some concerned with those who are drowning. Others, uh, they're snatching people out of the water. Others are occupied with the enemy. So uh, they man the cannons of prayer and worship. Still others devote themselves to the crew, feeding and training the crew members. Though different, we are all the same. Each can tell of a personal encounter with the captain. And uh, for each has received a personal call. He found us among the shanties of the seaport and invited us to follow him. Our faith was born at the sight of his fondness, and so we went. We each followed him across the gangplank of his grace onto the same boat. There is one captain, there is one destination. Though the battle is fierce, the boat is safe, for our captain is God. The ship will not sink. For that, there is no concern. There is concern, however, regarding the disharmony of the crew. When we first boarded, we assumed the crew was made up of others just like us. 
But as we've wandered these decks, we've encountered curious converts with curious appearances. Some wear uniforms. Whenever seen, sporting styles we've never witnessed. Why do you look the way you do? We ask them. Funny, they reply. We were about to ask the same of you. The, ver- uh, the variety of dress is not nearly as disturbing as the plethora of opinions. There is a group, for example, who cluster every morning for serious study. They promote rigid discipline and somber expressions. Serving the captain is serious business, they explain. It's no coincidence that they tend to congregate around the stern. <laughs> okay. There is another regiment deeply devoted to prayer. Not only do they believe in prayer, they believe in prayer by kneeling. For that reason, you always know where to locate them. They are at the bow of the ship. You are with me. <laughs> And then there are a few who staunchly believe in real wine, that real wine should be used in the Lord's Supper. You will find them on the port side. (laughs) Still another group has positioned themselves near the engine. They spent hours examining the nuts and bolts of the boat. They've been known to go below deck and not come up for days. They are occasionally criticized by those who linger on the top deck feeling the wind in their hair and the sun in their face. It's not what you learn, those topside argue. It's what you feel that matters. Oh, and how we tend to cluster. Some think once you're on the boat, you can't get off. Others say you'd be foolish to go overboard, but the choice is yours. You guys getting this? Some believe you volunteer for service. Others believe you were destined for the service before the ship was even built. Some predict a storm of great tribulation will strike before we dock. Others say it won't hit until we are safely ashore. There are those who speak to the captain in a personal language. There are those who think such languages are extinct. There are those who think the officers should wear robes, those who think there should be no officers at all, and those and there are those who think we are all officers and should all wear robes. And oh, how we tend to cluster. And then there's the issue of the weekly meeting at which the captain is thanked and his words are read. All agree on its importance, but few agree on its nature. Some want it loud, others quiet. Some want ritual, others spontaneity. Some want to celebrate so they can meditate, others meditate so they can celebrate. Some want a meeting for those who've gone overboard. Others want to reach those overboard, but without going overboard and neglecting those on board. (laughs) And oh, how we tend to cluster. The consequence is a rocky boat. There's trouble on deck. Fights have broken out. Sailors have refused to speak to each other. There have even been times when one group refused to acknowledge the presence of others on the ship. Most tragically, some adrift at sea have chosen not to board the boat because of the quarreling of the sailors. 
What do we do? We'd like to ask the captain. How can there be harmony on the ship? We don't have to go far to find the answer. Because on the last night of his life, Jesus prayed a prayer that stands as a citadel for all Christians. This is John 17, 20. I pray for these followers, but I'm also praying for all those who will believe in me because of their teaching. Father, I pray that they can be one. As you are in me and I am in you, I pray that they also will be in us, one in us. Then the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus, knowing the end is near, prays one final time for his followers. Striking, isn't it, that he prayed not for their success, their safety, or their happiness. He prayed for their unity. He prayed that they would love each other. And in John 13, 35, Jesus says, all people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. I just want to stop for a moment and ask, Holy Spirit, would you show us more and more of the heart of the Father that all of us as his kids would walk in the unity that is ours in Christ, would enjoy and celebrate the oneness that we already have in Christ. And Holy Spirit, wherever we have forgotten who we are and forgotten that we are on the same ship as all of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Speak to our hearts if there is someone we need to go and apologize to. Speak to our hearts, Lord, where jealousy and quarreling and comparisons and all the rest have uh, begun to destroy the fabric of who we really are. I'm, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, this is my prayer because of what my spirit knows that it knows. That God, what we have tried to do but could not do on our own, you are making happen. You're causing your church as one to move together now. So Lord, what I'm praying, because I truly believe what I just said is 100% accurate, I am praying now, God, that when we begin to step out of bounds of that which you say is the way to live as one, in unity, in love, you will quickly, quickly, quickly show us that we will quickly say, whoa, that's, that's not right. That's not who I am. We're, we are one in Christ. Would you teach us, Lord, how to work through things? We need help there too, God. We give you permission. Would you, if you agree with this, would you give Holy Spirit permission? I give you permission to show me when my heart starts to go astray, when I start to argue or when I start to, you know, cause dissension and splitting and all that, 
disharmony, would you show me, Holy Spirit? Would you bring me back in line with the one heart, the one Father? Just let him, let him talk to your heart for a second and show you what he wants to show you. Listen to Ephesians 4, just as you stay in this place with the Lord. Listen to this in uh, the message. It says, in light of all this, starting with verse 1, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. Paul says, while I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road, God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. And I just want to read one verse in uh, Romans, same section, but just one verse, Romans 4, verse 2, in the Mirror Translation written by Francois, who will be here May 11th. He says, Paul says, be mindful of the fact that meekness and tenderness are the fabric of your makeup, which enables you to show compassion even in seemingly impossible situations, eagerly bearing with one another in an environment where love rolls. Lord, we can't do this on our own. We can't. There's, there's nothing, there's no part of the life, our life in Christ, in the spirit that we can do apart from him. It's not possible. And so again, Holy Spirit, we're inviting you. We're saying, come and do it. Do what you need to do in our hearts, but do what you need to do in the one body of Christ. 
Thank you. I say thank you, Lord, that you have determined your jealous love over us has determined that this is the time when I'm going to make my church get it. I'm going to make him get it this time that we are one. Suzanne's going to share a dream she had with you this last week that, that fits right in with this. Actually, I'm not going to sh- share the dream itself because I can't remember it. But the gist of the dream, and this happened um, uh, before Mario came last Saturday. And uh, I had this dream, and, and it was meant to encourage me as I look back on it for several reasons, and I can look at it as an encouragement. But the gist of the dream had to do with um, the story in the Bible about the workers who were working all day, and then workers came throughout the day, and and um, and then there were some who came at the eleventh hour, and every and um, they got paid first, and they got this bunch of money or whatever it was. And then the the people who'd been working for a long time, they're like, ooh, well, if those guys got that much, we're going to get even more, right? But we know as the story unfolds, we find out that the um, the workers who started way early in the morning, they got the same wage as the person who showed up um, an hour before. And, and I woke up and I'm thinking, Oh man, what? Okay, Lord, what are you working on in my heart, right? And he's, you know, he's reminding me the first shall be the last and the last shall be first. And I'm like, oh, okay, Lord. And, and we'd been talking about this revival, this wave of revival that we've been waiting for. And we're like, and I was like, oh, is, is that what that means, Lord? Are you working on me about, you know, there are many of us who've been praying and on our knees, on our face before the Lord regarding revival. And then there's some who are just coming into it and, and they're like, and you're like, well, wait, why do they get that? We want that too. And I was like, okay, Lord, you're working on that in my heart. And I was like, okay, okay. Yes, I will work on that. I, I'm going to work on that attitude. I'm going to, you, you want to take that out of me. You know that that's in me. You want to take that out of me. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then I'm sitting, um, listening to Mario, and something else dawned on me, which I think is the bigger picture. And, uh, and I was like, thank you, God. I thought about it some more, and what God showed me was, that, Suzanne, it doesn't matter what time they came in. The workers are here. The laborers are here. We're praying for those billion, billion laborers who are going to bring in the harvest of the six billion, right? That's what we've been contending for, what we're talking about, what we're working through here. This unity that we're talking about. And here it is. And the Lord is showing. 
He showed me. He's getting me ready. He likes to do that. He gets me ready for these kind of things. It's like, okay, yeah, Suzanne, deal with your stuff. But you know what? What is the prize? The kingdom, the kingdom of God, his children coming to him. How big is that kingdom? How much can we share? How much can you even hold? Okay? So what does it matter that the Holy Spirit is breathing on these people right now and he's been breathing on them way back when, 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago, and now he's just breathing on somebody one year ago, and you're like, it's like, it's okay. This is another laborer. This is another body of believers coming before the Lord and saying, yes, this is what we want. We want to be part of this end time army. So be encouraged. It is happening. Oh my gosh. When Mario used the term Holy Spirit's desperation last week, that just hit me like, I was bawling. I'm sitting there at lunch and I'm bawling because it's like, that's it. It was, it's the Holy Spirit who's going to be desperate. Who's going to call us together in unity. He's, who's going to put, make that ship sail. That battleship, that major cruiser, you guys, not a cruise line. It's a battleship. And we're resonating with that. So the laborers are here, and we're part of that. We are part of that. We are celebrating that people are coming on, that his body is coming together, that the people are jumping out of the water onto the boat. Okay? So get ready. Get with it. Get, get whatever you need to do to get your heart ready for when the Lord just says, okay, your neighborhood today. All right? Your workplace today. Your class today. Okay? You're the one I'm using because I am desperate for my children to come to me. So. Wow. And it is happening. It is so happening. Um. I am hearing reports, I'm hearing stories, and, and I, this is where I, I'm so glad I don't have to share with you names of churches because it's irrelevant, but there are, there are some churches that were, that were really opposed to the moving of the Spirit, and he, <laughs> he's showing up, and healings are happening, and uh, people getting out of wheelchairs, and what you would consider churches that would never have done that just a few years ago. Isn't that what we wanted? Don't, aren't we wanting, you know, because sometimes what can happen, especially, I don't know about you, but we had to, we had to kind of push hard to get up and out to where we wanted to be. Like, you know, Lord, we got to have you at all costs and I don't want to be hindered by these chains or those chains. Sometimes when you break free, you can turn around and, and kind of, um, I don't know, look unkindly on those that are still trapped and that. There's just no place for it because the only truth you have ever received in your life came from the Holy Spirit. You were not that brilliant on your own. Really? It's all him. 
So if he's going to do it for you, he will do it for others. And praise God, he's not going to let any of us in this room stay where we are, right? We're going to different places and new places with him. We are so not anywhere close to done yet. So we just get to keep going after the more. And, um, and because of that, he's going to keep pouring out the more because he sees his kids that want him. Um, I will say this. I, I, I really do believe this. Blazing Fire's been around for almost 13 years. That whole thing about, you've heard it where um, the, the um, Gentiles will provoke the Jews to jealousy, meaning they start to see what was, you know, theirs all along, but they aren't really enjoying it, and they see us enjoying it. It's going to draw them right back into the Lord. I really believe in a lot of ways that's one one of the reasons Blazing Fire has existed was to provoke others to jealousy. So at first, we were that church, that really weird church, you know. And and over the years, and because I've been in relationship and friendships with the other pastors, and they see that actually I'm a normal guy, whatever normal is. Anyway. Um, but over the years, they're like, Oh, I, I, I think I want that. I want, I want at least taste it. I want some more. And uh, again, it isn't, I'm not, this isn't about, it really isn't about us. It's about Jesus. And he's going to have his way and we're all going to get it and we're going to go there as one. And we're entering into that time right now. So I want to, this is what I want to do. I want us just to stop. Actually, would you, if you're able to, would you stand where you are? <sighs> Because you know what we all need? We just need more. We need more revelation. So just put your hands out because, you know, as, as an eager child to receive more. from First from your heavenly Papa. Papa, we are asking for more and more and more revelation of your love for us, your care for us in all circumstances, your choice to want us to belong to you forever your pleasure over us, more revelation, more kisses from heaven, more and more and more. <laughs> uh, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, we want, we want more and more revelation of your beauty. Of, the, of all that you fulfilled on the cross to set us free from every chain, every hindrance, everything that could get in the way. Jesus, you took care of it all. Give us more and more and more revelation of your passion for us. Let us see those eyes of blazing fire because we do want, we're asking for the increase, Lord. Increase the heat. Increase the fire of your passionate gaze towards us so that you will burn away everything that doesn't belong. We give you permission. Increase the fire. But just put a hand on your heart. Stoke the fire. Increase the fire in our hearts for you. Wow. And everything, again, that does not belong, we give you permission to burn it out. <laughs> With your love, with your passion, with your goodness, with your truth, burn it away. So that all we have left is hearts that are white, hot, 
So you can't make your heart white hot for him. <laughs> you do have choices, but only he can do that. <laughs> Give him permission. Make this heart white hot for you. <laughs> and Holy Spirit, just put your hands out again. Holy Spirit, we want more. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come even more. Even more. Whoa. Because we can't do this without you. More and more and more. Whoa, of your presence. More awareness of your presence. More of your power. Your supernatural power. Oh, increase, 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 increase. See, the Holy Spirit's already in you for your sake. He's coming upon you for the sake of the world. In signs and wonders, in power, in extravagant acts of love through you. And we need you, Holy Spirit. We need more and more and more. Overflow, overflow. Pour, pour, pour. Pour out, pour out, pour out. Pour out over us. Pour out over us, Holy Spirit, so that we spill everywhere we go. Yep, 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 yep. See, I can give you a lot of words up here, but there's only one who can actually change you. Whoa. Holy Spirit, more. We give you permission. We give you access to our hearts. I, I just got to throw this in you really quick. Stay standing because we're going to keep praying. I just got to throw this in really quick. That one passage that's kind of scares us sometimes where Jesus talks about someone who, who says, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name and heal in your name? And, and Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you. Remember that? And a lot of times when you, hear, when you see that verse, when I hear it preached, it gets, it, we start talking about how we need to um, know the Lord. We need more intimacy. We need more time with him. That's all good. It's all true. But that's not what he said. He didn't say, away from me, you didn't know me. See, that puts all the pressure back on us again. He says, I didn't know you. In other words, all he's saying is, let me into your heart. Don't play the Christian game. I just want you. I want you to tell me when, you, when, you, when you're hurting. I want you to let me in and do the things in your heart that you can't do. That's all he's saying. Give me access I'm your Lord, I'm your Savior, I'm your husband. I will take care of you. I will be good to you. I am safe. Let me into your heart. Let me do what only I can do. So we're agreeing, Lord Jesus. We're giving you access. We're saying, Jesus, you're the only one who knows us the way, the way you do. I, we don't even know ourselves the way you do. So we're giving you access to the hard places, to the, the scary places, the fearful places, we're giving you access. We're saying, Jesus, come in. Come in, take a look about, do what you need to do. We give you permission. And that is how you will know him intimately because you're letting him into the deepest places of your heart. And so I want to take right back off of you the fear the fear that you're not going to measure up 
one day because Jesus has already measured up for you. But you get to let him in now and let him do the change in your life. Jesus, have at it. Holy Spirit, have your way. That's the Christian life, isn't it? That's the Christian life in a nutshell. Lord, have your way. Do what you want to do. I'm yours. We sung it today. <laughs> I can't believe how many things we sung today that we're just singing all with all of our heart. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, I can't control. I want more of you, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we are, Lord. We belong to you. We belong to you. I'm yours. Just tell tell him, I'm yours. I'm yours. I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to you. You purchased me at the cost of your blood. I'm yours. I'm yours. Do what you want. Use me any way that you want. He's going to love you and love you and love you all the time. And then he's going to choose ways that he's going to use you to change the world. By his choice. And you know what's gonna, how it's going to happen? By his jealous love. That's how it's going to be accomplished. Kind of takes the pressure off. <sighs> Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Move in this place. Earlier the Lord showed me. Just stay in this place of prayer. The Lord was showing me that he wants to heal. I just saw him saying that, you know, too many of his children are, are not sleeping at night. They're where nighttime is not restful for you. And, you know, so it might be insomnia. It might be, you know, possibly because of anxiety, thinking about all the things your mind not resting, but sleep apnea, nightmares, night terrors, Whoa. And truly the Lord the Lord told me to declare this over you, to pray this healing over you. So I just want you all to receive it because I don't know anybody who couldn't even use better sleep even if this is not particularly an issue for you. But just to receive this because the Lord right now is putting a huge blanket over all of you. And he says, this is my blanket of love. Whoa, purchased for you by the blood of Jesus. Whoa. And so my children, I give you, I give you my blessing of sound sleep. I give you the blessing of sound sleep. I give you the blessing of peaceful sleep. Whoa. Some of you that have been having these night terrors, uh, nightmares, I am, I am just declaring right now, uh, I'm releasing angels who are going to go home with you. And you have the authority, by the way, you have the authority to usher in the Lord's presence in your place, but also you have the authority to ask angels to help. You're just saying, angels, I, I'm just, I, I, I welcome you. I bless you to be here to do what the Lord has called you here to do. So again, we're not 
conversing and having these long conversations and worshiping angels. But I'll tell you what, there are some countries that get this way more than we do, and, and they actually utilize the help that's around for, our, for us. So I'm just releasing over you angels, angels, angels of peace, angels who are going to be in your room. Whoa, even warring angels. Some of you need that. You need warring angels around you. Wow. And I'm praying physical healing. Again, if it's sleep apnea, if it's, even if it's chemicals, chemical imbalance, something in your brain that just won't rest, I am declaring supernatural creative miracles over each one of you in Jesus' name. In fact, if, if you just feel that, I mean, if you're really wanting this, put a hand, one hand or two on your head. Just just because we're saying, I'm saying to you, peace, 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 peace to your mind. Wow, you have the mind of Christ. Wow. Again, perfect chemical balance in your brain in Jesus' name. Wow. Wow, you guys, this is really real. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. Realignment where it's needed. Rewiring where it's needed. All that's needed in your mind to function properly. Whoa, in Jesus' name. I rebuke fear from you. All of you. I I tell you, fear is not your friend. Whoa. Well, you do not have a spirit of fear. It's not yours. It's not from you. And now I'm releasing to you, and this is really big too, in the positive, I'm releasing dreams from heaven. I'm releasing dreams from heaven. The Lord speaking to you through your dreams. The Lord refreshing you in your dreams. The Lord giving you hope through your dreams so that you wake up encouraged, not discouraged. In Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do something I cannot do because you alone know every person here. But where, where the dreams are stemming from past things that have been very painful, I'm, we are inviting you and I'm saying, Holy Spirit, would you do a deep work in those places Would you do a deep work in those places? And I'm declaring that those past pains, whoa. I'm just going to pour the oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit over you. The oil of the Holy Spirit being poured over you. The oil of the Holy Spirit being poured over you. Whoa. Whoa, to heal, to heal, to heal. To heal the past pains. Wow, so that you will not be tormented anymore. I rebuke any tormenting spirit off of you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So this is, I want to ask you just to say something. This is like a, a... you know, statement of faith on your end to say, thank you, Lord, that I will wake up tomorrow refreshed in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that was really real, you guys. That was really real. That was something the Lord told me earlier. Like that was, I, you know, I think that was his, one of his main agendas for tonight was what we just did. I don't know. Does God have an agenda? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wants his kids back. He wants all of his kids back. So, um, tell you what, can we have, um, can we have some prayer teams come on up? Uh, one of the things that we want to do 